I'm 32 years old now. I have a son. I'm a dad. I have I'm my my I have five uncles that have died from heart attacks. My dad has diabetes. My grandma has diabetes. Uh, my aunt has diabetes. I have other uncles that have three uncles that have died from sleep apnea, which I have. I'm pre-diabetic. I'm 406 pounds. My arteries are getting clogged. My liver's bad. I don't love the body that I'm in. I need to kick my ass. This is the like this. This is where I was in April 2019. It was like in that moment, I was like, this has to happen now. I don't have any more time because I could die from a heart attack really anytime. I was standing up feeling lightheaded. I was just, I could not do anything. I couldn't walk. I, I, we, we got a house. I couldn't walk up the stairs without being out of breath. It's like, man, this is bad. Like there's no time. I, I have got to act now. You're listening to episode 62 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. And this is the show where every conversation is designed to challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. And today you're going to be challenged and inspired by a powerful story from Tony Reyes as he talks about what it means to live a relentless life. But before we get into that, I want to encourage you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode, rate and review the show after you're done, and of course, share this story with two or three people. Let's also stay connected beyond the show. You can follow me on social media everywhere using the handle at KellerThinks, and you can also sign up for the Fight for Brilliance text and email list where I share resources to help you fight for brilliance in your life, and you can do that by texting the word brilliant to the number 33. 777. That's the word brilliant to the number 33777. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Hello and welcome to this episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and I promise you, you are in for a really great episode here today as I sat down with my new friend, Tony Reyes, and we talked about living a relentless life and specifically the journey that he's been on going from over 400 pounds to just weeks away from running a marathon at the time that I'm recording this. And Tony is just a really genuine guy and he was really honest about his journey and really the dark side of the life he was living when he was so overweight and some of the decisions he was making that were hurting him and his family. He's open and honest about that. And then he talks about just what it took to really, you know, kick him in the ass and and make a change in his life for the good. And so I'm excited for you to hear that. But before we get into the episode, I also just want to apologize. Uh, I had a technical difficulty, I guess you could call it whatever happened when we recorded this episode. His microphone sounds great, which is probably what's the most important because that's who you're going to hear the most from. Uh, I had an issue with my microphone and I ended up having to use the backup, which was just me into my computer, um, not knowing that as we're recording it. So I apologize. I 
have always tried to put forth the best I can and <laughs> try to bring good quality to the show. And so I'm a bit embarrassed that happened, but uh, a previous version of me, the perfectionist version of me before would probably not have put out this interview, but Tony's story is way too powerful to let that get in the way. And I just wanted to let you know what you can expect. And there's a reason why my audio sounds different and letting you know that in advance. All right, now let's get into Tony's story and hear what it means to live a relentless life. All right, Tony, thank you, man, for uh, making time. I've been looking forward to this interview. Appreciate you doing this. Man, of course. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you. This is so crazy that we are, we are now face-to-face, well, screen-to-screen. We are now screen-to-screen. <laughs> we connected on social media, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be the way that I'm connected with so many different guests, which I absolutely love. But, man, your story is... Yeah, it is one of weight loss. Sure. Okay. You've, Tony, those of you who don't know Tony, Tony has been on this journey really his whole life of, you know, with the struggle with weight, but then now a huge, huge push for the last 18 months at least or so uh, to lose the weight. I know you've tried it a couple of times probably before that, but, yeah. but the, uh, you've dropped. I don't remember what now, 406 to, you've dropped 160 pounds or so? Yeah, or I'm like 165 now, just about. I'm, I'm still losing a little bit every week, but yeah, now I'm, I'm down about 165 total. Tony, when I've watched your um, YouTube videos, the, the latest one, we're going to talk more about the half marathon and all that, but dude, I was in freaking tears. Uh, just... And I'm like, why am I crying so hard? But, <laughs> but Tony, I like your heart, man, is is just so genuine and it comes through in your journey and your vulnerability. And so I'm excited for this, man. Um, I just I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah. Dude, so, no, I appreciate it, man. So you're out there in California, right? Yeah, Anaheim. I'm like, uh, I couldn't I can like see Disneyland uh, out my backyard. I'm super, super close to Disneyland. Okay, you have Ryder is your only child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just turned two, um, and it, like he 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 kind of coincided along with like he was like the jump off point, the the catalyst to the weight loss. Um, but yeah, so he was born July twenty eighth, um, twenty eighteen, and then I I really started starting my journey um, like in the in the kind of in the in the way that it is now. Um, in January 20 or, uh, sorry, April, 2019. So almost a year after he was, after he was born. So you had tried, but you had tried to lose weight before, right? Is this something that oh, you dude, so with? many times? Yes. Yeah, so many times. I mean, honestly, like I've been trying to lose weight. I can remember the first attempt at trying to lose weight was like a sophomore year in high school. Um, because I'd really put on put on quite a bit, quite a bit of weight. And so, you know, I mean, I've been overweight my whole life. Like I, in third grade, I was like, um, I think third grade, I hit like 180 pounds or something like that. And it's like in third grade, that's really bad. (laughs) Um, you like, you can't, you should not be a, a 180 pounds in third grade, but I was. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I didn't really start until sophomore year in high school. And uh, like, when I tell you I've tried, I, I have tried every like fad diet in the book. It's just like, 
absolutely like name a diet that was popular from like 97 to 2020 and i have tried it i've tried everything and uh and it's just you know yeah it's been a lifelong um up and down up and down of like you know i'll go really hard for a couple weeks to you know a couple months and then just fall off completely and yeah it's been bad it's been a long journey well i'm always curious one i think people are so quick to judge um, when they see someone overweight, mm-hmm. um, I know I've been absolutely guilty of that in the past because of a lack of understanding or just willingness to learn and understand people's stories. So I don't want to assume anything because there can be multiple reasons why people struggle with weight. And what was it for you that probably got you to that point, do you think, if you've even thought about that at all? I have. No, for sure. Yeah. You kind of have to think about it, like, especially if you want to make any long term progress and like, you know, long term, uh, if you want it to stick long term, it's all mental. Like this whole thing, it's all a mental warfare game that you play with yourself. And so um, I've done a lot of self-reflection to try to figure out, like, what was it about my childhood? Because honestly, dude, my parents loved the crap out of me. You know, <laughs> like they, like I had a great childhood. I went, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate. It's not like uh, I have some gritty story of growing up and fighting through the trenches. Like, no, like I went to private school. Uh, I went to private Episcopalian school. I wore a uniform every day. You know, there was a little bit of bullying there, but not much. You know, the kids were pretty nice at private school. It, bullying didn't really start until I, I left private school and went to public school. I, you know, I got bullied pretty, pretty bad, like in eighth grade, but honestly, but I'd already been obese in eighth grade. So, you know, I, I kind of track it back to just like in, in the culture, in like Mexican culture, like my grandma, I, I, I was raised primarily at my grandma's because my dad owned a small business. You know, I, I say I went to private school and that, that sounds probably bad. My parents went absolutely broke sending my sister and I to private school. Like my dad owned a small laundry business um, that was struggled uh, every year. My mom worked insane hours as a nurse. And so it was like they really, really worked all the time. And so I I grew up really at my at my grandparents' house. And so because of that, you know, like the Mexican culture, like my grandma tried to feed my one-year-old beans already. And I'm like, grandma, he can't eat refried beans. He's one years old. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, that's just kind of like the, what the culture was. It's like, it's what worked for them. And, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very active. I was kind of lazy as a kid. I played a lot of video games. I watched a lot of TV and the, I think the, you know, the, the, the combo of being raised in my grandparents' house, eating and being given whatever I wanted, like what kid is going to ask for broccoli. You know, I've, I'm always asking for like the bad things. I'm always wanting to watch TV. So it's like, I wouldn't do anything. I would just sit around and I'd eat whatever I wanted. And it was really bad. And so I gained a lot of weight quickly. When people say, well, just lose it. It shouldn't be hard. So you've tried before. Why can't you just lose it? You know, if you don't have some kind of genetic disposition that's forcing, you know, or causing that, did you ever battle that as far as even the mentality internally saying like, why the hell can't I just get rid of this? You know? Oh, oh dude. Yeah. So many times. I mean, it's like being to the point where I was like, you have to try 
to be morbidly obese. Like I really put in a, a career's worth of effort to become, I mean, I was 406 pounds. Like, I, you know, it's not like I just woke up one day and was like, oh, wow, how did I get this way? Like it was over time. It was a long time of just like, you know, eating whatever I wanted and then, you know, having like the self-hate of like looking at where I was in life, seeing myself, the way I looked, the way I felt mainly, you know, I, uh, I suffered a lot from, um, uh, sleep apnea. I would wake up in the middle of the night, like gasping for breath. And then, and because of that, that left me constantly tired. So I was always tired. I just felt, you know, like, you know, no matter how much sleep I got, I was waking up so many times a night. Actually, I had a sleep study done and I woke up upwards between like 500 to 600 times a night, like just like little micro wake ups where I'm never actually going into deep sleep. And it was crazy, man. I was, I was literally exhausted. Uh, I felt like crap all the time. And so it was just like a constant cycle of like, you know, people telling me to lose weight, my doctor being like, Oh, you know, you need to drop some pounds, but then not giving me any, like, you know, doctors, I feel like didn't know really like how to describe or how to, how to prescribe weight loss. Like, you know, I had one doctor who was trying to get me to take like weight loss pills, like fat, fat burning pills. And I'm like, that's not right, dude. Like I, I already know that's not, that's not right. But that's, no. but that's the way that I feel like we approach anything when it comes to, especially, I mean, I'm not dogging medicine, modern medicine, thank God for it. But you know, you go to the doctor and it's here, try to take this. Yeah. And that's going to help. And instead of figuring out what the hell is actually going on, causing that, mm-hmm. you know, for you, for you at some point, it just switched though, right? I mean, you talked about 18 months ago or whatever that's been now. What was the moment that all of a sudden went from, okay, Tony, like, this is enough. You've got to fucking kick it in the ass now. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, um, I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been yo-yoing my whole life, you know, uh, just up and down, up and down. And I had actually, so like one of the biggest shames, like, let's get it, let's get it straight. It was shame that kicked me into gear. Like a hundred percent, just pure shame of myself. From, your, from yourself. From like internal. Okay. Internal shame. Yeah. Um, because, so I had lost a hundred pounds before. Uh, and, and I thought, oh man, I, 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 I got down to 305. I, I had ran a Spartan race. And then like the the founder of Spartan Race found out about my weight loss story and they actually included me in this book, uh, in, in their, their, the first book that Spartan Race released. They, they included me in their book and I remember thinking like, this is so cool, like I'm making changes. And then took my foot off the gas pedal, I got comfortable, I had never been that light before, you know, th- I mean, you say like 300 305 pounds is still really heavy. But yeah. to me, I was like, I'm sexy now. What? I'm 305 pounds. I'm good to go. I've never been this light before. It's all good. And so I got comfortable. I got lazy again. And I just stopped doing what I what got me to the dance in the first place. And then I slowly started putting weight on. And so then like when I would look at the Spartan book, because I kept it on my desk at all times. And I, I look at that book and I'm like, I gained all my weight back. Like, what am I, why do I even have this book out still? Like it doesn't, it's like so shameful to have, to have this book sitting here and like seeing my name printed in there. Like Tony lost all this weight. He's got all this drive and motivation. It just, it really like bothered me quite a bit. And so, um, you know, I got married, gained even more weight. You just kind of like slacked off. And then it wasn't until my son was born that I was like, okay, this is, it was getting hard to like bend over and pick them up. I had shot back up to 400 pounds. Um, 
it was yeah it was just hard to do basic things we I, okay here was another here's like a perfect example i tried to put on this baby carrier to like to carry him around for the day my, my my wife needed help and so i was like yeah i'll i'll put on the baby carrier i'll carry him today i don't that's no problem with me i couldn't fit like it did not fit and i tried to extend it all the way it just it did not fit i couldn't carry my son and that was like man i gotta i gotta change something like i don't want to be one of these dads that I see that can't like go play with their kids. Like I, like it was, it was driving me nuts. And then I was thinking, I had this like vision of what was going to happen. Like I'm going to go pick him up at school. He's going to be in fifth grade. He's going to be standing outside the school with his friends and I'm going to show up 400 pounds and all the kids are going to be like, Whoa, that's Ryder's dad. Look at Ryder's dad. He's huge. And then like, he's going to be, I felt like Ryder's going to be embarrassed of me at, at some point in my life my son would be embarrassed by my weight because of because of how I look, because of how it, that would interpret it to his peers. And I did not want that for him. Like I, I, I it bothered me so much. Isn't it crazy how I've got, so my son's five right now as we're recording this, he'll be six in um, October. I better remember that stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but isn't it nuts just how much it weighs on us when we're think, to think about you're talking like years later, right? Oh my thinking, God. Yeah. I, I mean, I was already envisioning his wedding. Like, what am I going to wear to his wedding? I, you know, writers, you know, when Ryder gets married, what I'm going to wear? 400 pounds. I'm going to wear some huge suit. I'm going to look like a clown. It's going to be terrible. And it's like, dude, he was just born, you know, <laughs> like settle down. But that, that is what it weighs on you, man. It's, it's like being a parent is, it's amazing and, and incredible and, and just powerful and like, you know, it just, it, it's stressful. And, but I think without it, I might've still been 400 pounds. Like I, I really found myself through fatherhood and like found my drive through, through wanting to be better for him. And then now that has transitioned into just wanting to be better for myself. Like I, I have found that now uh, because it's definitely started with like, I just want to do this for writer. Like my whole first goal was to lose a hundred pounds before his first birthday. That was the first goal. And then through that, I've, I've now figured out like, no, now I, like that was a great start. But now I really want to do this for myself. Like I actually love myself now, whereas before I, I you know, I definitely didn't. So, yeah, man, fatherhoods uh, or parenthood in general is is crazy. There's this kind of I guess what I would I was thinking about this the other day where when it comes to, you know, let's say a big goal something you want to go after, whether it's weight loss, fitness related or what it might be. The, at some point I can tell now, obviously you've proven that like it's become consistent part of your life. It's become, you become a disciplined human, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it had to start with that first motivator, right? Before, and even though it's something extra, you know, it's for your son and not for yourself, it has to start you have to have some sort of purpose to, to grab onto, right? Right. Absolutely. Especially when you're floundering. And man, I was, I was in a dark place. I was in yeah. a, I was like just about to just give up. Like I, I, I just felt like I, I mean, not that, you know, I was th that dark, but I was just like, I'm just going to give up. Like, I'm just going to be fat my whole life. Like that is what it is, what it is. And I just have to accept that. But like, I always felt like I, I always had this, uh, the, <laughs> this idea that I was this like, fit person stuck inside this body that was like trapping me there. And like my very first, 
folk, my, well, when I first started this whole thing, I called it the fat man diaries. And I thought, oh, I'm going to just like post like, like a blog post. It started as like a blog. I'm going to have the fat man diaries and people can follow along my fat loss journey. And the first, um, picture that I put up as a fat man diaries was this, like, it, it was just like some Google image search thing, but it was like some muscular dude, like trying to like chisel out like uh hammer and nail himself out of this obese body that was the very first picture i ever posted and it was like that is exactly how i've envisioned myself my whole life i've always felt that i had this other person inside of me that was kind of trapped by this body and like yeah it definitely started with my son um and it also really started with reading um the uh can't hurt me it's a book by david goggins I'm in it right now, man. I, um, probably about oh. halfway, halfway through it right now. That book changed my life. But he, okay, so it, he's crazy and phenomenal. Like, and there's so much in that book that I've taken away from it in mm-hmm. a good in a good way. So I guess just like for you, do you feel though like everything he does is just so extreme? Oh, there's some terrible advice in that book. <laughs> but, yeah, it, absolutely. Like, hey, man, prepare for a marathon. Like, what do you do? You can't just go out and like just go run 50 miles. Like, that's crazy. And I think and, and you'll see like in the book, he kind of wraps it up at the end. He kind of like shows like, don't do it this way because it's stupid. But but these are the things that I did. So the way he kind of frames it is like, yeah, if you haven't read the book, it's not like I'm going to spoil anything. But he, David Goggins has done some incredible physical feats and some some incredible accomplishments in his life. And the way that he was able to do that was through the will of the mind. Like so that's kind of the point of all this is like the the mind is 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 capable of incredible things. And he went through like arguably absolutely stupid things to like figure that out. But now that he knows that now he can be able to like tell people like, don't do it the way I did. Obviously prepare, obviously eat healthy, sleep, stretch. And because yeah. and, that, because, and when you get to the end of the book, you'll find out all of that kind of stuff that he was doing catches up with him in a really, really serious way. Yeah. And so that's where it like, that's where the book, the part of the book that I love the most is like, you can't just be that guy all the time because it will catch up with you and it'll, it'll cost you. And so it almost costed him hugely. So he, he does wrap it up well. Yeah. Well, I've seen a couple of buddies go through that book and like not maybe get all the way through the book because they <laughs> only follow on Instagram and they write right. a little bit of the book and they just think there's, there is no stopping. Like you just go, go, go. So yeah. I was curious for you though, like that book was, would that have been probably the first, I guess, influential factor in your life as far as the mind game over the battle of weight for you? Absolutely. Because before then, honestly, even even the first time I lost weight, I always had these excuses to why I was the way I was. Like I had all this stuff built up. It's like, oh, well, it was, you know, like I said in the beginning, it was cultural. And I just like let that be the excuse. Well, it's like, yeah, that's maybe how I gained weight when I was five, but I'm 30 now. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not your grandma's fault that you're fat. Like, that's stupid. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. That's not the case anymore. Like now you have to take ownership of this. And so, uh, yeah, so at first I heard him on Joe Rogan's podcast. I heard this David Geigen guy on, on David uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. I was like, 
who the hell is this guy? Like, he sounds like an absolute maniac. And so for a long time, I bought his book. And then for a long time, I was, I was afraid to read it. I had it for like a couple months and I didn't read it because I felt like, I feel like this book is powerful and like, it's going to make me feel bad about myself and going to make me really look at myself. And dude, I literally didn't read it for a couple months. And I could, I, I had these conversations with my wife where I would, I'll tell her like, yeah, I think, I think maybe next week I'll start the book. And then it'd be like, next week I'm going to start the book because I just, I knew I wasn't ready. I was like scared to like face myself and like face the fact that what I had done to myself was my fault. At the end of the day, everything that I had done, all the food I had been putting in my mouth, I was putting it in my mouth. Like I was choosing not to go do things. I was choosing to live this life of like laziness and and, like of inactivity. It was just, it was bad, man. And so, yeah, for a long time I was scared, I was scared of that book, but yeah, yeah, that was definitely the first thing that helped me unlock the mental, the mental game of this whole thing. Well, and what you just hit on, I mean, it sounds like hard ass mentality, but the truth is so much, you know, if it's not a medical reason, you know, or some genetic disposition, so much. uh, Yeah. Right. I mean, I want to make sure as we're talking about all of this, and especially with this topic that I get that there are people who have harder situations and physical obstacles, you know, genetic dispositions, literally that make certain things harder. So we're not, just saying everybody just get over it. But what you just hit on, you know, I know myself personally, I can relate to which is at some point you just have to, you just have to take that ownership of, uh, of what's going on. Right. I mean, who's, who's responsible for you right now? Like yeah. you, right. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's huge, man. It's like right after I read uh, David Goggins, I read, um, Oh, What's it called? Uh, own, uh, ex, uh, extreme ownership. I can't remember. right. Jocko Willink and um, yeah, Jocko, and then I, his writing partner. I always forget his name. <laughs> I feel bad. Who knows his name? Right? No one remembers it. Leaf something. Anyway, it was yeah. Extreme ownership was the second book I read, and like that was like a one-two combo. After I read that, I was like, oh, I am absolutely capable of everything, and everything up to this point, I need to own. Even if, even if, like you know, extreme circumstances, like maybe it wasn't your fault or whatever. There is always something that you could have done to have avoided or helped your situation in some way. And if you didn't do that, then you have to own that part. And like, that's like, yeah, it is extreme to say, and it is, it sounds harsh, but man, when you're 406 pounds, that's harsh, dude. Like that's a harsh way to live. So you need to be harsh with yourself or it's just, it's not going to work out. Like it's, um, yeah, man. So, uh, you just kind of have to, uh, you kind of have to be harsh with yourself when you're, when you're that heavy, I think. So you basically get initiated into the Navy SEALs by reading those two books in a row, right? Is that, yeah, I mean, yeah I'm going to go get my trident tattoo here pretty soon. <laughs> I'm like, man, you didn't take it easy on yourself at all. You should have read some Brene Brown in the middle of that or something like that. I know. I know. No, I, I, I had no room for any kind of like, you know what, let's just, let's just all settle down and let's just love ourselves and like love the body that we're in. I, I was past that. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm 32 uh, years old now. 
I have a son. I'm a dad. I have I'm my my I have five uncles that have died from heart attacks. My dad has diabetes. My grandma has diabetes. Uh, my aunt has diabetes. I have other uncles that have three uncles that have died from sleep apnea, which I have. I'm pre-diabetic. I'm 406 pounds. My arteries are getting clogged. My liver's bad. I don't love the body that I'm in. I need to kick my ass. This is the like this. This is where I was in April 2019. I was like, there's no time for like no frou frou, no la la. That can come later. That's where I'm at now. But like in that moment, I was like, this has to happen now. I don't have any more time because I could die from a heart attack really anytime. I was standing up feeling lightheaded. I was just, I could not do anything. I couldn't walk. Uh, I, we, we got a house. I couldn't walk up the stairs without being out of breath. It's like, man, this is bad. Like there's no time. I, I have got to act now. And so that's where that, that, the, those two books and that mentality really helped, you know, kickstart. And it's not everything, you know, you do have to, I found this uh, through that I've been able to find love for myself and I've been able to find, you know, the, the peace for myself. But in the beginning, there was no time for any of that. I just needed action. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I was wondering was just, are you always just hard on yourself or, you know, that journey of, all right, I need to get my ass right away to get going. But yeah. Have you learned to love yourself and what's that journey been like? Cause I think that's probably the hard, that's just as hard as weight loss, man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. learning to love yourself is a lifelong journey. And it's, and it's one of the harder ones I think that we ever go on. It's huge. The thing that, that helped me, uh, was, uh, meditation. I started meditating, um, years ago actually, but, but it was always kind of like, I would meditate, but I would never act on any of the thoughts that I had. So, you know, it helped, but I also still had shame because I never had any follow through. I think that, and that was the biggest part of, of why I had a lot of hatred towards myself is that I just felt like I always talked the talk and I never walked the walk. I had all the right things to say and I never followed through. I never had any type of self integrity because I just, I never, I said a lot and I just never did the things that I was going to say. And so because of that, I didn't have a lot of self-love. And now because I said, I'm going to work out six days a week, I'm going to not have a cheat meal for whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stray away from my nutrition plan because I am in a dire situation and I need a dire resolution to make this happen. And so because I was able to do that, that's where I was like, after, you know, my first hundred days going, going hard, everyone has this 75 days hard. I did, I did a hundred right off the bat. Cause I was like, I, I have got to do this now. I did six days a week, a gallon of water every day, no, no cheat meals, no alcohol, no soda, nothing, just water, tea, coffee. That's it. And, and kombucha, um, every single, every single day for a hundred days. And after those hundred days, that's where I was like, man, I actually said I was going to do something and I did it. And that's where that plus meditating every day, I really started to learn that like I can be more than what I was because now I'm doing it. And it wasn't just saying it. Like I wasn't just saying I'm going to do a hundred days. I actually, for the first time followed through and did it. So then it was like, well, what's the next thing? Let's, you know what, that book that's been sitting on my desk that whole time that I felt all that shame about, let's do another Spartan race and let's, let's kill it. And so I signed up for a Spartan race and did another hundred days leading up to the Spartan race. And it just, you know, it's just continual. Now I, I, I signed up for a marathon and I'm doing a full year 
of of this leading up to leading up to the marathon and like you know it's it's uh, through doing this hard, doing these hard things, doing something that sucks every day. That's where I found the love for myself is because I'm actually doing it and I'm actually following through. And now I have the, the, the pride of like, wow, I actually am doing something. Like I, I feel a lot more fulfilled than I ever have before because I'm, I'm doing what I said I would do. It seems like the opposite, right? Like we, we think we should do things that bring us pleasure and not maybe yeah. pain to feel right. better, but I'm right there with you, man. I mean, it's just, they're, you know, waking up even this morning, I woke up, I'm like two days of nothing. I was with my son, didn't go running the last two days, wake up this morning, did not feel like running. You know, you get out there, you're like, yeah. this doesn't actually feel great right yet in the first mile. And you get done with that, you push yourself and it's like, okay, facing the pain, running after this, that's where the pleasure comes from. And so it's absolutely, man. Yeah. It's like uh, the brain doesn't want us to be uncomfortable, you know, like the brain wants us to be comfortable. Why would the brain want, you know, your body to be going through pain, but it's like, once you get through that pain and on the other side of it is just like, it's, it's euphoric, you know, same thing today. Like I, I didn't feel like running six miles this morning, you know, got out and I did it, ran my six miles. I saw you run in the rain. That, how amazing. I love running in the rain. Uh, like we don't get very much rain here in Southern California, but when we do, I am like lacing up my shoes. I cannot like, I, it's so fun. It's just so much fun. <laughs> I just feel like such a badass when I'm outside running in the rain because no one else is outside and That's I right. am. And I'm like, there's something to that. Like, I feel yeah. like it motivates me even more because I'm doing something that's hard. I'm doing something that, you know, if I, I think a lot of like, what would past me think of? What would 400 pound me think of if he saw me out here on the sidewalk running in the rain and I was in my car, probably eating Jack in the box. I would think that dude's freaking crazy. Like go inside. It's raining. But I love that. Like that, that's part of it that, that, that drives me for sure. You and I both know through training that there's just no easy way to get results. You got to put the work in. Uh, and that's, I know that's true with everything in life, but I'm just going to bring it down to this, Yeah, you know, for us at least. But I guess for you, what are some of the sacrifices that you've had to make that maybe you've made them reluctantly, but you've learned to love the sacrifice. <laughs> it's it's going to sound so dumb. I mean, I have a serious one. I've cut. Uh, well, I'll start with the serious one. Well, I know you're funny, by the way, too, because I you, your videos you posted all had like you starting out in a comedy club or something like that too. So doing stand up. So I would expect like hearted from you as well. But <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so I yeah, I used to do. I used to be a, a, a regular at the comedy store in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, it was great because it was like my whole act was about how fat I was because I, you know, it's just like the ultimate way to hide how much hate and, and, and shame you have about the way you look is to make fun of it. So no one else can, you know, because if I make fun of it, then no one else has to, because I say all the jokes first. So it's like, uh, that was a huge defense mechanism. And like, now I watch these videos uh, of myself, these old, these old videos of me performing. And I'm like, God, it's just, it's just so sad to me because while everyone's laughing, I know inside, like, dude, I was so 
depressed and so sad. And like these, these jokes that I would say like would kill me because like I would look I, when I would come home, everyone's done laughing. The, I'm not on stage anymore. I'm back at home in my crappy apartment and just looking at myself in the mirror and just, I would just burst into tears. It, oh my God, man. It was so, it was a rough time. So like those videos are funny, but like I, I know how sad I was when I was on stage saying those jokes and yeah, that hits, <laughs> that hits hard. That hits hard. Um, so the things that I've sacrificed, uh, are bad people. That's like the serious one. It's like, I, when I, when I got to a certain part of my twenties, I, I feel like I had suffered the, you know, the, the, the expression don't suffer fools or whatever it is. Uh, I had suffered fools for a long time. I had a lot of stupid friends that I just kept around that, you know, were bad influences on me. They were just, you know, not that they were bad people. It's just like when we would all hang out, it's like, well, let's start drinking. Okay, let's start, like, let's start, let's start drinking. We'll just hang out and then we just drink all night. And then it's like, oh, let's order pizza. Let's just order. And it's just all, it's just constant. It's like, it's just not the type of lifestyle that I wanted to live. And so I just had to be like, if they weren't willing to change, which, which they weren't, I just had to be like, you know what? I, I wish you guys the best but I just can't be friends anymore because it's, 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 uh, negative energy entering my headspace and my headspace is very, very valuable to me, especially now. And so cutting out the people that, um, you know, just didn't help move me forward at all, or didn't, you know, spiritually or, or, or mentally, um, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't have that. I couldn't have that negative, uh, influence anymore. I just, I couldn't deal with it. And, and like I said, I wish them the best, but I just can't, I can't entertain it anymore. And so, um, that was, that was a big one, you know? And once I learned that I didn't have to be friends with everyone just because I've been friends with them for a while, it, uh, it really opened up like who I let in my life, who I let in my inner circle. And now that is something that I take very, very seriously. Like I, I have very few people in my inner circle and the people that, I, you know, obviously outside of my family. Um, and the people that I do have are, are good people. They're all working towards something, you know, they're all working towards a goal. They all want to better themselves. And I, those are the kind of people that I want to move forward with, um, and, and want to have in my life. Um, so that's the funny thing, uh, or that's the serious thing. The funny thing that I am struggling with, even like just as, as early as soon as yesterday, cigars. I used to be a huge cigar smoker, man. Like I had on this shelf, instead of the record player, I had a huge humidor there. I had a 250 cigar humidor, had these lights, had a glass front. It was so sick. And, um, you know, not that cigar, I mean, that would be so dumb to say cigars aren't, are, are healthy, but you know, not that it was like, high in calories or something, but it was always the thing that came with the cigar. Cause it's like, if I have a cigar, I'm going to have a glass of whiskey. If I'm having whiskey, I'm going to have a couple snacks. And if I'm having snacks, well, we might as well order a pizza. And it was just like, you know, constantly that, that thing. And so actually giving up cigars, like I, <laughs> I was a member of cigar aficionado magazine. I've been for, you know, like 10 years and I, I just had to just, just stop because well, one, obviously not good for you. And two, it was just, you know, I just, I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to completely change my life and really focus and give this a hundred percent effort. And it just, it was like, why am I spending money on cigars? It's just not healthy. It's not, you know, I, I can't smoke them around Ryder anyway. 
But like yesterday, we were uh, visiting um, Ryder's grandparents, my my parents, and my uh, stepdad was smoking a cigar, and it smelled so good. And it's been it's I mean yeah, it's been a year and a half since I smoked a cigar, and so I was like, holy cow, dude, that cigar it just smells so perfect. Um, so giving up cigars was, was tough, but it's, it's been absolutely worth it. And obviously saved so much money because cigars are not cheap. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of the goofy thing that I saved. No, man. Um, I definitely enjoy a cigar every now and then I should be meeting up with a buddy later here today for one, but I tell you what though, you're right. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago when you sit down, I, when you sit down with friends, and you're with your buddies and you're doing that. It's not even necessarily for me. Uh, I, you know, I just had sparkling water with mine. Not, I'm not, a, you know, I, I do drink, but often I choose not to. And, and so I was having a sparkling water. And so it wasn't even about like anything else other than that, but I stayed up late. Right. And so I stayed up late. So yeah. then the next morning I just didn't feel you know great to get up for my workout as early. It got pushed back. Then I had, so it's just the things that, come with things in our lives that maybe for some of us aren't even that bad, but you being willing to say, this isn't necessarily the worst thing in my life, but it's not leading me in the right direction. So right. I'm gonna, like that's, I mean, that just takes courage and guts to be able to do that, man. I mean, and to stick with it, you know? So I just, I think it's badass that you've been able to do that because it is something that you could try to keep in your life. Technically, Thank you. Right? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm, I, I, maybe I'll have another cigar at some point in my life. I'm sure I will. But yeah, it's just like right now I don't, I don't need it. It's not nothing that I need. You know, I don't like, I'm not dying for it every day. Like yesterday was like the first time in a long time that I even was around a cigar. It smelled good. And I thought about it for like five minutes and then I got over it. It was no big deal. When I I trained for my first Ironman, I cut out drinking completely for, I think almost two years. If I could be off, let's say six months, but yeah, I cut it out completely. Isn't it interesting? I I think the process that you're, you're describing, at least for me was, I think it's so healthy to get rid of things that you could keep. Because then you can say, what has me, you know, what's got a grip on me? Do I need this? When you said, I don't need it. When you get to that place with the things that you could look back in, when you let it back into your life, knowing you don't need it, that's just part of the process right there of letting it go, right? To figure that out. Absolutely. Dude, there's so much power in, 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 in cutting that stuff out. It it feels like it just adds to the momentum of everything. And also I have to be careful because like, we haven't really touched on it, but when I was in the the throes of obesity, I was binging. Uh, I was a binge eater, uh, every day. I don't know if you, I, I have a video on like my food addiction and my binging and like, it was, um, it was pretty bad. Uh, there were times where I would eat like 8,000 calories in one sitting and I would I'd be hiding it all. I would hide it from my wife. I'd hide it from my family, from my friends. You know, I was like stockpiling cash to like, so that way it wouldn't show up on our, on our, you know, debit card stuff that she wasn't like, well, how did you spend $40 at Jack in the box? We didn't go to Jack in the box this week. Um, you know, I would just like slowly be pulling out cash all week long and then boom, go have a crazy binge meal by myself in the parking lot. I was doing that every week. Uh, and so I have to be really careful with what I let in and like how I, um, how I have my relationship with food because, you know, a lot of people, the, the biggest 
complaint that I get or the biggest, um, I'm not complaint, but the biggest thing that I, I hear about what I'm doing is that, you know, oh, you really need to have more balance with your eating. You really need to have more like um, leeway with your diet. And it's like I'm hearing that all from people that A, have never been obese. And, and that's a hard thing for me to hear because it's like, yeah, man, but you've been 180 your whole life. You know, like you don't know what it feels like to want food more than anything else. Like to, you don't know how it feels like to be able to lie and steal money from your wife. So that way you can go have a big meal at Jack in the Box. Like that's, you don't know what that's like. So it's like, I know what that feels like. And I know how I feel when I have, when I have those urges. And so like, I have to be very careful with the type of food I eat, when I eat, what I eat. And like, I will have cheat meals eventually after this year i'm going this full year 2020 without a cheat meal or you know even that's like become like a bad word now in, in the fitness world i don't care what what it is greasy food fast food pizza whatever obviously food that's not helping my body that nutrient nutrient dense food i will have that type of food eventually but it's going to be very structured and very planned and nothing i cannot have spontaneity in my diet i just can't i just know who I am when I'm that person. And it's, it's dangerous. Well, and being aware of that is so huge and being honest about it is even more important. Just think about too, the trust that you're rebuilding with your wife by showing that consistency. You know, I mean, that's, that's a factor that people might not even be thinking about right now, but that's a huge, huge thing that you just talked about right there between you guys. And so I can yeah. only imagine you guys are just growing so close through this. Is that, are you seeing, are you, I mean, how long have you been married? First of all? Well, we, um, my wife and I have been together for a long time. So we, she, we have literally grown up together. Um, so she has been with me at my heaviest. She's been with me through a lot of bad stuff. And so, yeah, our relationship is, I mean, it's so strong, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we've been married. Uh, it'll, our, our anniversary is in, um, in a couple weeks, two weeks from now, September 21st. So we've been married for seven years and we've been together for 13. Um, so we, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've seen a lot and, and she's been through a lot. And like, you know, there was a time where I couldn't even, tr I couldn't even be trusted with cash. I just, if I got cash somehow, I would just give it straight to her because I knew I don't even want the cash in my wallet. Like I'm not there now, but like, I, I would like, I just take the cash from me because I can't be trusted with it. I know I won't go binge meal on a, on a card because I know she'll see that and then I'll get the shame. But if I, if I have the cash, I will binge meal. So it's like, take the cash. It is what it is. And she's just been so cool about that. She's been so understanding. Well, I respect you being willing to make the decisions, the hard decisions that you have to for that. Um, so let's talk a little bit here about, I know you've got a marathon on the books that is happening, I believe in December. Yeah. And, and then you did a half marathon. How long ago was that? I did the half marathon July 18th. It was um, kind of like our birthdays were July 13th. So we wanted to do it right around our birthday. And it's like a good midpoint of the year leading up to our marathon because uh, my wife and I are doing it together. And my sister, um, she's joining us and also a couple friends. But um, yeah, so the uh, the half marathon obviously got canceled because of COVID. Um, and so, you know, everyone's like, oh, that kind of sucks that your half marathon got canceled. Um, you know, whatever. We're going to get it next time. And I was like, oh, no, we're we're still running. Like, I don't like don't get it. What? 
what are, what are you new here? Do you know who you're talking to? I'm not going to just not do something. I'm like one of these like crazy people now. Like we are going to go out, find a place where no other people are, and we're going to get this freaking half marathon done. I don't care if there's no medals and photographers and people cheering us on. We are running a half marathon on the day that we were supposed to, whether it's canceled or not. And so that's exactly what we went and did. And uh, it was great, man. It was uh, obviously the longest I'd ever ran. Um, I, I I took it very, very seriously. I never thought for a second that I just, you know, I, I am not a runner, obviously. You don't you don't do much running at 400 pounds. And so, uh, so yeah, I was, it was brutal, man. It was brutal, brutal, brutal. But having my wife by my side, the whole race, we ran it together and, uh, it was just, man, it was awesome. It, it, after I finished that, I was like, wow, we can actually do this. We can really do this marathon. One thing I was wondering, because, um, well, first of all, for somebody who, doesn't call themselves a runner. You run a lot. So um, I think I you're know. actually a runner. But I know. I need to stop saying that. You do, man. I, like, I, I was talking to – it took me a while to admit that I'm a writer, right? I, even after writing a book, I was like, eh, I dabble, right? But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that way. It feels weird to call myself a runner. But own it. You are a runner. I, I appreciate that. Yes, you are a runner and a badass runner. My question for you would be, I guess – how did you feel like if you had to describe the feeling of finishing that half marathon where you didn't have a crowd, there was no medals, there was no reason that you had to go do this per se. How did you feel when you finished that? And do you think it would be different had it been an organized race? I know it's a what if moment, but I'm just curious if you thought about that. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely. I do a lot of um, visualization. Um, I... I, I really believe in visualization. I think visualization is huge. And I've done that my whole life. Like, you know, I've always been a person that's like strive to be better. Just it, it had always been lacking in like the health part. Like if I like when I, I, I got a job at Panera Bread, this is a perfect example. I got a job washing dishes at Panera Bread and I thought I want to be a manager. Like I don't want to be washing dishes. And so I freaking I mean, I don't know if it was just this chain or whatever, doesn't seem responsible, but within six months, I was a, a, an assistant manager of the store. Like I really worked at being the best. I knew every sandwich, every soup. I was just like all in on Panera Bread. And so that's where I, I, I've always been that way. I just never applied it to my health. And so uh, with something like the, with the half marathon, I, I'm like, there's not even an option. Like there's no, like COVID, no COVID, sick, not sick. We're going, if I have to walk it, I'll walk it, but I'm going to finish the half marathon. And I just, I've always had that, that, that type of thing inside of me. And so now being able to apply it to my health and being able to apply it to fitness and running and, and this whole thing has just been like, it's unlocked like so much for me in, in my life. Um, and I do think that, uh, it would have been different if it would have been, cause obviously the whole year I've been visualizing crossing the finish line at the, um, Orange County half marathon and thinking like, wow, like look at all this going on. Like I'm actually doing something cool. And I, you know, envision taking the pictures in front of the, the, the wall with all the sponsors or whatever. Um, and when that didn't happen, I almost felt like more 
of uh, of that beast mentality of like I got it done when I didn't have to, and that to me is like the biggest the biggest thing. It's like if you can get it done when no one's watching, when when you don't have to, and you're still out there hustling, that I have so much respect for, and that's what I'm all about. And so. I think it would have been cool. It would. It probably would have been a lot more fun and more enjoyable for sure, you know, to have like a crowd and people cheering. Like it would have felt more of a community thing, whereas like here just felt more of a personal thing. Like I had a personal vendetta against COVID to go finish this race <laughs> um, in spite of COVID. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, I even to this day, I'm envisioning crossing like crossing the finish line at the marathon. Like if you see me running every once in a while, you see me. Out, I look like a freak but I don't care. I'll be running and I'll just like hold my arms up, like fingers up, just running and like close my eyes and just I'm envisioning crossing the finish line and that that feeling of, of accomplishing something that I absolutely thought was impossible. That feeling gets me motivated. I did it today on my on my run today at mile four. I started feeling tired. The heat started picking up and I just, you know, you raise your you raise your fingers, you visualize yourself doing something and I, I'm I feel I feel like I'm I actually am transported there. I'm crossing the finish line in that moment, and it gives me so much more energy and to to finish my race and, or to finish my run. And so uh, I do that a lot. Uh, a lot of visualizing it has helped me. And in a matter of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like 14, 16 months, you went from getting up and running a mile at like a 17 minute pace. And now you've finished that half marathon. Was it 14 months or was it 16 months? Or? Um, no, actually. So, oh, well, let's see. The 17-minute mile was like the first mile I really ever ran yeah. um, outside of PE in high school. Like, But even in PE, they let us walk. Yeah. So I would just walk like 22-minute miles in, in high school. Uh, but yeah, so I, I ran that on the treadmill at 24 hour fitness that was right at the beginning of my journey. So it was probably like, I, I think it was a little before I actually really, really started. So it was probably February, 2019. I ran like a 17 minute mile at like 400 pounds. Yeah. So, you know, 15 months ago from the time you did the half marathon, right? Roughly 15, yeah, 16. Yeah. Yeah. Just about, yeah. Just about. And, uh, um, you know, I ran my half marathon pace. It was like at 11, 30, 12 minute pace, something like that. I can't really remember. Um, and even now, like even since July, my pace is like shot up again. Like now I'm running between a, a 10 to 11 minute pace, depending on how, how far I'm going. And so it's, it, oh man, if it, it's so, it feels incredible. Like, and, and when I'm doing my speed work and I just the other day, I hit my, my fastest mile time is 729. Oh my God. It felt incredible. I'm, don't get it twisted. I was dead after that 729. There was no, there was nothing else after that. I ran those that 729. I was like, okay, I'm done. I cannot move, but it felt incredible, man. It's like running has been something that is so surprising to me, how much I've enjoyed it and how much it's given back to me. Uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. I wouldn't, and I would never in a million years have imagined that I enjoy running as much as I do. When you look at that point, let's just take that point of one mile, 17 minute pace to be, and probably feeling like, I don't know if I can run another mile again, like that sucked to where you're at right now. What do you think the biggest thing is that you've learned about yourself through that? Just even that span of time so far. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that 
after after so much time and after all these failed attempts, like this time is different because I feel like I have something to prove to myself. Like I have I have this like this desire to 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 always be better for myself. Uh, and so I like the -hmm. biggest thing that I've learned is that I like no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, I am truly relentless. Like I am just, I have this relentless mindset. It's like it, it, I mean, relentless is my favorite word and, uh, it's, it's gotten me through a lot. And, and that, that relentless mindset has got me through my career to where it is now. But now finally I'm able to, to focus that relentlessness on my health and on my fitness, the thing that matters the most finally. And, uh, and I'm really, I'm that's, that's, that is what I've learned the most is that I, I really am relentless. Okay. So now another kind of layer to that would be what has been the most surprising thing through this journey of losing all the weight, whether it's, you know, just one of those moments where you're like, I didn't think that would be part of this process, like either good or bad way. It doesn't matter, but just something you've been surprised about through this process. I mean, the biggest surprise to me right now is the running. Like I, you know, I did not think I was going to enjoy this. Like I didn't sign up for the marathon because I like to run. I signed up for the marathon because it's something that 400 pound me thought was impossible. And I'm out to do anything that 400 pound me thought was impossible because that, that 400 pound me is still me. And like, I still have him inside me. And so like, I'm carrying him around. I'm like, all right, dude, what's, what else did you think you couldn't do? Cause now I'm going to go do it. And so it's like the fact that I actually enjoy running and like, I was looking forward to my six mile run this morning. And the fact that I think like, I look at my schedule from my run coach and I say, Oh, six miles. Oh, sweet. So it's short day. What? Like that? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's so surprising to me that and, and it, it, it's come naturally because it wasn't always the case. Like on my journey, like I have a I have a video on my YouTube channel about the first six miles, because at that point, that was a huge accomplishment for me. And it's like I just ran it today and I ran it like 20 minutes faster than I did in that video. But it felt like it just feels um so normal now and then like so i guess like having running being a part of my new normal is is insane that that is a by far the most surprising thing no that's one of the fun things though is when you get to those different you know milestones that you never thought you would hit and you hit that one and then all of a sudden that milestone looks like just a short day out on you know a little run it's just so much fun because that keeps happening you get to those higher miles especially when you're training for a marathon so uh, you know, I, I love it. Well, the last thing I want to ask you, there's, you know, when I think about my life, I like to think of it in the, in the sense of what's the story that my life is going to tell, you know? So it, it might be the story my son tells. It might be the story that, you know, friends tell, whatever it is. I hope it's consistent one. And so I want to flip that question on to you and say, no matter who tells the story of Tony later on in life at some point, whether you're here or not to hear it, what do you hope that story is about Tony? Man, <laughs> that question actually makes me emotional uh, uh, for some reason. I feel like before I, you know, that was a, a big fear of mine of like, what am I, what's my life? 
I've always had this big fear of death and like, what, what am I going to be faced with when I, when I die? And am I going to be faced with like this? And it's, it's in David Goggins book. And it like, when he was talking about it in this chapter, it was like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I felt like my whole life. When I die, am I going to be faced with the person that I could have been? And am I going to have regret in, in, in meeting the person, the, this potential person that I could have been? And, and like, what does that mean for my family? What does that mean for my son? And so I've always had this fear that I, I wasn't going to live the life that I could have, that I could have led a better life, that I could have led a better example. And so for me and, and what I hope now that I've, I've been able to find this change and been able to find this extra chamber in my brain to unlock this, this, this version of myself, to me, I really hope that people just remember that I, I was never comfortable with, with where I was at in, in a positive sense, that I was always willing to do the work to be better, whether that's emotionally, in, in relationships with my wife, with my friends. I was always willing to do the work and I took it seriously and that I just, I was always trying to push forward to that next to that next best level and that I was never going to just be okay being somewhere. Yeah. Like I, I always want to be pushing. Uh, and that's, that's really what I, I feel like. And I, and I know that was not the case before. Well, I love that, man. And I just, you know, I'm just getting to know you obviously as we've been connected through social media and now this time together, I'm so glad that, that we had this because yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, just in the short time, man, too, I can just, I just want to commend you because I feel like I can see that your fight for brilliance in your life. It's, it's evident just how, just what you described, you're not choosing complacency and you're, you're choosing to show up. I, especially just as a dad to dad right now, just, I want to commend you because you would have been a great dad, no matter what I can tell, but your son is getting the best of you. And man, uh, I, I guarantee that kid's going to be proud, you know, whenever you're picking him up. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And uh, dude, this is so, so cool that like a freaking TikTok, an app that I downloaded as a joke has now like connected us. I, you're, you're just a beacon of positivity on that app. I love watching all your TikToks and, uh, and, uh, and your Instagram. And I just really appreciate the things that you do. And man, I'm telling you, as soon as I finish this marathon, I'm going to bother the shit out of you because right mm -hmm. after the marathon, I'm jumping in to Ironman training. So no I, dude, I am doing an Ironman. I'm a hundred percent finishing an Ironman. So okay. I, I'm going to be hitting you up. <laughs> you know what? I mean, if you sign up for an Ironman, let's make sure we connect because, uh, I'll definitely be in your corner and if possible, <laughs> it's not always possible, but if possible, I'll be there doing the same damn race with you. If we can, I would it. love that, man. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah. That's, that's like my big number one goal. That's like the thing that is just like, for some reason pulling me in, it's like the, the Iron Man. like that is like to go from, morbidly obese to iron man man that is you, what i want i want you that and you can do it well thanks for your time appreciate you and just grateful for this time together man thank you man appreciate it thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode and i would encourage you to 
continue getting to know Tony and be in his corner cheering for him. Uh, his marathon that he talked about that is supposed to happen on December 6th of 2020, it got canceled. And so Tony is still going to get out and run that distance. So connect with him on social media, send him some love, encourage him and follow his journey. His handle is at focus fight finish. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. But I would definitely appreciate you guys heading over and looking at maybe one of his recent posts uh, where he talks about the marathon getting canceled and just encourage him and cheer him on and be in his corner digitally here. So thank you for doing that. And before I close out the show, I also just want to ask you to go ahead and share this with two or three people. I believe Tony's story is one that will inspire them, but also just let them know you're listening to this podcast. And if you just joined for the first time today on this episode, uh, I want to invite you to hit subscribe. So when you get done listening, click that button, that subscribe or follow button and never miss an episode. All right, let's stay connected throughout the week. Find me on social media using the handle at Keller Thinks. All the links are right there in the show notes for Tony and myself. And so let's stay connected. And until then, this is your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant.